Stefan, how am I doing as your podcast host at the moment? You're super. <laughs> you're great. Hi, you're listening to the Learning Company Podcast. My name is Jim Morris, and I'm happy to be your host. This podcast discusses what it means for organizations and employees to stay relevant in today's rapidly changing world. Today's topic is curiosity. It may have killed the cat, as said cat tried its luck for the 10th time, but today we're not here to give curiosity a bad rap. We're here to celebrate it. And joining the celebrations today is my guest, Stefan von Hoydonk, founder of the Global Curiosity Institute, keynote speaker, and author of the best-selling book, The Workplace Curiosity Manifesto. And, after much curious research himself, defines curiosity as the intentional mindset to challenge the status quo, explore, discover, and learn. Wow. What a description. Welcome, Stefan. It's, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks Jim. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. Let's do this. Good, good, good. Thank you. Um, I have lots of questions. Dare I say it, I am curious to, to hear so much from you today, probably more than, than we'll have time for. But what we always have time for is uh, the first question, which is always the same for, for our guests. And that's what we call the surprise. I'm curious to hear from you, before we get into more detail, when you started getting involved in, working on, diving deeper into the topic of curiosity, what was the thing that you didn't expect to discover? What surprised you about this subject? Well, it's a, it's a great question. I've probably the, 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 the biggest surprise for me was such a big surprise that I left my job and I started the Global Curiosity Institute. Okay, um, now, now you've got and, my attention. What was and, that? Uh, <laughs> I was chief learning officer of Cognizant, a big company, 300,000 people, IT. So people need to learn constantly. And I was always looking for ways, how can I accelerate learning? And how can I get out of the way as a learning leader in my team so that learning can happen all by itself because there's just too much happening in the world for the learning organization or the learning team to to be in the middle of it all and trying to coordinate it so let's let's unleash the power of of self-learning or self-empowered learning and we changed our culture in the organization we changed the slogans to open wonder learn and 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 our and and what we realized is some people they were jumping on the on the new opportunity and but many people weren't and we thought oh what is why is that mm. and um and and then of course we realized that just saying that people have to be self-starters and going for it and 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 is not making them so necessarily and people need to be guided a little bit so we ended up to a short long story short we ended up with actually triggering people's curiosity muscle. And we did the short training programs around how to become more curious. Okay. And then we taught people about neuroplasticity. So it is possible to change and you can, you can change your habits, your mindsets. And we gave them some strategies and we also asked them to share it with other people what they had learned. And then three months later, we checked in with, with, with this group of, uh, and we ended, ended up training 15,000 people in this methodology. And then actually the big majority of people told us that they started looking at the world in a slightly or in a very different way. Okay. So somehow the little seed that we have planted in those 45-minute sessions actually were, were, were resulting in something. The biggest surprise was that we checked then 12 months after those workshops 
we checked in with people whether their learning uh, behavior had changed. Mm. And we used a very traditional way of checking their learning hours. We can debate whether learning hours are good or, or, or not, but in least we had those data, how people had been consuming uh, stuff. And we realized suddenly that those people that had joined our workshops on curiosity, their average learning hour jumped from 25 hours to 43 hours. Wow, okay. Um, and 25 hours was, was kind of the, 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 the average of all 300,000 colleagues, but the average of the 15,000 people was 43 hours. And I said, wow, this is too good to be true. And that was my big surprise, <laughs> which actually made me leave my cozy and cushy job and, and started something completely new, i.e. The, uh, the Institute. The Institute, indeed. Uh, so uh, clearly not, it's not just enough to tell people that it's a good thing to be curious. You gave them the tools, you, you, you told them how, you talked to them about uh, the brain and, and how that works. And that, that created this uh, incredible leap. And I want to get on later to one of the things you say, that you, you, you say it's, you know, curiosity is, is good for individuals, it's good for organisations. You, you know, we become more successful as a result of it. But I want to uh, actually come back to uh, your book. You've, you've written a book, uh, we mentioned it at the top of the podcast, uh, The Workplace Curiosity Manifesto, published earlier this year. I'm currently enjoying it. You're clearly a fan of curiosity. I mean, you talk in your book about growing up being a curious child. And uh, however, for me, curiosity seems to have swung between a negative and a positive thing. You know, negative maybe because of a sort of, I don't know, a functional curiosity. You know, we find out the dirt on people or some people might be seen as being very difficult in organisations because they're always challenging or asking questions or, you know, not, not being obedient or, or challenging authority. Mm. And And... And yet, clearly, curiosity is a force for good. And I know that you acknowledge the negative press that it's had. So, why should we be fans of curiosity? Let's talk first about the negative side, if you don't mind, Jim. Hmm. The, there's probably two dimensions that are really important. First, the one is language, mm -hmm. and the second one is the way we think we should be managing our, our teams and our organizations. So, when we talking about language yeah. and I researched kind of what the connotations of curiosity throughout the ages. And what is clear is that before the 1950s, curiosity was really a negative thing. Yeah, yeah. Curiosity was all about nosy kids poking their noses into things that they were not supposed to yeah. or, or, or gossiping yeah. or looking through a keyhole and finding out something secretive on the other side of the door type of thing. No, so that was kind of pre-1950s, but still in some parts of society, this, this language is still pervasive. Mm. And then, for instance, that like curiosity killed the cat is a phrase that comes from pre pre nineteen fifties. Yeah. Or in the in the Polish language, there's a saying, "Curiosity is the first step to hell." Or in right. French, you say, "Curiosity, curiosity too." So curiosity kills. Yeah. Um, and in Dutch, there's the sayings uh, that that uh, that that are also negative connotations to curiosity. So. That has a historic dimension, and only after the 1950s, curiosity became positive. And what changed? Um, what was that? What was the moment? Why, why the 1950s? What do you think changed then? I think it was a positive growth after the Second World War, an entire shift in, 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 in thinking in, in many aspects. Mm. Before the 1950s, kids were supposed to listen to the teacher uh, after them, uh, and, and absolutely not have their own point of view. And I yeah. think a lot happened also in, in schooling. And then after the 1950s, we gradually wanted our kids to be authentic and have their own minds and their yeah, own yeah, points yeah. of view yeah. and even speak up against parents and teachers if uh, so. And then 
gradually this also kind of came into the corporate world. And nowadays, everybody, curiosity is bon ton. Yeah. Uh, everybody, when I talk to people, everybody, when, when I talk about curiosity, everybody starts smiling. And then people say, oh, I'm curious all the time. And, uh, and, and it's great. And I want to work with curious organizations. So that's one dimension which is the historic uh, connotation. Yeah. The other connotation is basically one that comes out of management thinking. If you're looking at 20th century management thinking, there was a big focus on efficiency. Um, yeah. And you have uh, really big big thinkers like Frederick Taylor and Edward Dimming and others who are mm. really proponents of efficiency and doing things all the time. It's kind of fixing something in the past at some point and then rolling it out and kind of trying to roll it out as, as, as often as possible. And that's why companies like Kodak were so successful, because they invented one way of doing things in photography in this case, and they rolled it out for 100 years. Yeah. They, they could roll it out for 100 years because the world in the 20th century wasn't changing so much. Yeah, yeah. That's why the entire area of innovation and change and openness to novelty wasn't really at play in the 20th century, basically because the, the industry wasn't changing so much. And when we see in management books and MBA, in MBA teachings and cases and everything, so that the innovation part was treated more on the marginal, uh, in, in, in a marginal fashion. Now, yeah. j- moving into 2022 now, uh, we suddenly realize that the 21st century is a century of ideas. Mm. Uh, and ideas grow fast. And we um, have a much more diverse and dynamic environment around us. So we have to become much more open to the future, open yeah. to uncertainty, um, because the past is only, in, while in the 20th century, the past was always a good a good indicator for the future. Yeah. Nowadays, it's not anymore. And immediately, we need to open up to balancing yeah. both this exploration and exploitation. And I, and I think uh, if, we, if we don't, one of your examples is, uh, you mentioned Kodak, if companies aren't prepared to do that and aren't... Uh, going to go down the the road of curiosity, then business will fail. Uh, Kodak lost out big time to Fuji, who were more prepared to invest and be curious about the digital innovation at the time, and Kodak weren't really and and sat back. And and now we don't really hear about Kodak, but we certainly hear about Fuji. And I think that in terms of employees as well, your point about management and how we view management and leadership, I, I agree. I think we are moving towards uh, ideas, curiosity in leadership. Employees have gone from being, I don't know, cogs in a machine to individuals who need to be in a, you know, inspired and, and led in a different way. And curiosity is part of that, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and not only Kodak is important, but also individuals, because also for, in, for, for every single individual, the past is only a partial guidance towards the future. And uh, the shelf life of knowledge that anybody has is is decreasing year after year. So there is a need for continuous learning and yeah. continuous curiosity. And of course, curiosity is the initial spark for learning and yeah. for growth and for development. I want to challenge you on one thing you said just a little earlier, because you said now when I talk to people, it's 2022 and I talk about curiosity, people say, well, I like it. I want to be curious. I am. Uh, and yet I don't see that in everybody around me i think there are naturally hungry people you know people who are hungry to know stuff and you have those people in organizations and and i think you you call those your a players or your a people Mm. but we have to acknowledge don't we stay from that not everybody's like that there are not everybody's an a player how how 
I mean, a not everyone's an A player, and how do we get them th- those non-A players to flex that curiosity muscle to build that? How can we motivate them to do it? A- apart from you know s- getting involved in in your um, institute and all the rest of it, how can we do that day to day? You're absolutely right. Curiosity nowadays is, as I said, bon ton. Everybody wants to be associated with the with the concept, but not everybody is fully curious. Often people tell me, oh, I'm curious all the time. And then my next question is, how curious were you 10 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. um, because it's easy to talk in general terms. Yeah. But it's harder to say, how curious were you, say, today about the world, about others, about your own, your, yourself? Yeah. I, I think you, t- you, ha- and, you talk about making an assessment at some point. That if, you, if you say something to somebody, there's a moment where we make an assessment. Actually, am I going to follow up on that? Am I curious enough? Or am I just going to accept that and, and, and move on? Yeah. It, when we get information, yeah, yeah. Let's come to that in a, in a, in a second. When we're talking about A players and the, the A players that I that I that I describe in the book and that I kind of uh, I, I research, they're often the minority in organizations. Mm. These are the people that have not been burdened by by the fear of asking difficult questions, or people that are less burdened by by stress often, Mm. um, because stress is a great uh, disruptor for curiosity. If you're too stressed, if you have too big deadlines, um, and and if you don't really know how to deal with it, then suddenly you're not going to come up and say, guys and girls, let's do this differently. Or I have an idea to do this faster. You just kind of focus and try to get your your work uh, uh, off your desk. So, but that doesn't mean like remember what I what I learned at Cognizant is that giving people the right tools, the right mental models, actually can change people's yeah, yeah. approach to curiosity. Um, so curiosity is somehow a muscle that you can train, and mm. with the right practice, you can get better at it. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't practice it, you get worse at it almost. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The um, going off on a slight tangent here, but I'm just I'm just curious. I want I didn't I wanted to remember to ask you this question because one of the reflection questions in your book is who's your role model when it comes to curiosity mm. and mm. i guess there is an a player out there who is your role model and i i'm curious to know who that would be who, who's your if you were answering your own reflection question who is that a player who's your role model when it comes to curiosity well that's a beautiful question <laughs> actually honestly jim i've not been thinking about it for a while um I probably come up with three different role models because mm-hmm. um, you might have seen in the book I describe curiosity as the confluence of three different absolutely um, objects: curiosity about the world, yeah, curiosity about others, and curiosity about myself, yeah. And they have completely different outcomes. Curiosity about the world makes me learn about new th- stuff out there, mm. um, and probably my role model could be could be many people could be could be philosophers, could be scientists. I'm thinking now... Yeah, alive or dead. I mean, I'm, you know, it, it doesn't have to be somebody who's living, right? It can be somebody who's... who's Einstein is often mentioned, and for me is a good example, but maybe Einstein is even too easy. I should have come up with a better name. But Einstein is a good example yeah. of somebody who's dis- dis- discovering, exploring the world, and is, is relentless at it. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're talking about curiosity of others... Probably somebody like Mother Teresa might 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 step in. What a lovely she, example! Yeah, she's 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 curious about others at the point where she's willing to put away her own ego and um, and drive that. And I think curiosity of self, probably Buddha. 
mm. is for me a great example. Uh, trying to really finding out the core of who you are or who he was through meditation and through through discipline and through focus. Yeah, I'm 55. I often talk about this. I'm 55 years old. I have 55 years of dust on my soul. Um, so <laughs> that means me too. Me... I'm 55 as well. So we, uh, we, we share and, that. We share the dust, it, Stefan. And that, and that makes it because every we create all these narratives and all these beliefs, even if they're limiting beliefs, why we should do things, shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing things. Yeah. Um, we create all these cognitive short, the shortcuts, which are right or wrong. And it makes it, and, and we think we know ourselves, but we really don't. Mm. And we need intentional effort, like the Buddha was so good at, in in with through meditation, through going to the to the core of yourself. So these three examples yeah. are all models. I want to really put you on the spot. It's, it's it's possibly an impossible question to answer, but I'm I'm going to have a go because I, uh, let's remind our listeners what your book highlights it highlights these three types of curiosity you've just mentioned uh, curiosity about the world which you call an intellectual curiosity and i'm paraphrasing it immensely here Stefan, mm-hmm. forgive me curiosity about those around us you you, you call that a sort of empathic curiosity and mm-hmm. curiosity about ourselves. that's the intrapersonal curiosity that you say we must we must find mm-hmm. at the same time uh, um you make a a, a big sort of um push for the fact that we in certainly in times of crisis in the world we need more curiosity less so possibly than in stable times and i'm just thinking now we're in the uh, the long shadow of of covid i mean you're just coming out of about of, of covid it's darkening the way forward still um there's division in countries at the time of recording the us have just had elections i'm thinking about the uk which is my home country they, these are very divisive places at the moment the environment oh my my goodness it's crumbling at our feet Stefan. there's a war in the ukraine things are far from stable so here's my impossible question for you which one do i need to prioritize i've got three to choose from intellectual empathic or intrapersonal what do i do which which one should have my focus now everybody's different and when i'm doing my diagnostics i'm noticing that sometimes everybody's good at some areas but everybody is likewise also can improve in some other areas and sometimes people are really good at empathic curiosity and sometimes they're not so good at at self-reflecting actually actually self-reflective curiosity is the is the weakest skill of them all right um so there's probably two ways of looking at this either we can strengthen what we're already good at um Mm -hmm. And if people find themselves being really good at the world, uh, they can they can get better at that. Yeah. Or em- empathic curiosity, or or self-reflective curiosity, or another way could be like let's let's focus on the areas I'm not so good at. And I think self-reflective curiosity is probably both the most difficult one because of our fifty years of dust, because it's hard <laughs> to get through yeah. who we really are. What are our biases? What are our limiting beliefs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, are our, what are our superpowers? What are our personal values through which we're dis- discovering the world? Yeah. So that, that self-reflective curiosity is the most difficult one, but it's also the more the one with the biggest potential. Okay, maybe, the moment we yeah. know each other, we know ourselves deep inside, we can face the world with much more strength and then yeah. stress and facing a challenging environment is so much easier if you're grounded well, if you know what you stand for. Yeah, and I worry that we're all a little bit afraid, Stefan. That's, that's, if, we, if we focus on that for a second, I think you acknowledge that we're born curious. I mean, children everywhere tend to ask why. 
the whole time mm. but do we grow out of it i mean as adults especially i don't know adults who've been working in an organization for a long time for example does it, it does it get less do we need to recapture that sense of wonder and and questioning that children have because you say at one point in your book that children are prepared to suffer more for knowledge and adults less so, which I think is a marvellous mm-hmm. sentence because you say adults are curious enough just to find out how to stay safe. And your example mm-hmm. is that's not kids. That, that's why kids will touch a stove often, even the way you say, mm-hmm. when you say, look, it's, it's hot, it'll hurt you. So aren't we as adults just being safe, which, and isn't that just another word for being incurious? Why, why are we afraid as adults? Are we really able to to have this intrapersonal curiosity because it's scary it's a scary thing it is scary but we don't have lots of choice no just look at just the professional area if we're not curious about new learning new stuff Mm. or learning to work with new people then we're not going to uh, um, we're not going to survive professional professional worlds if you're looking at empathic curiosity most couples they they separate not because they fight with each other but because they 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 became bored with each other they stopped exploring they stopped yeah. being curious curiosity is really high in the beginning of things yeah and yeah. a new job but also new relationships and we're all interested in the other person and after a while we take the person for granted so just and that's probably one of my missions is to make people aware of there is something like curiosity and it's one of those words that we use loosely but often it's used in a way that it's fixed. It's something that we can leave to chance. And that's completely wrong. We have mm. to be intentional about curiosity because yeah. the opposite of curiosity is conformity. Yeah. And and we're always drawn because it's, it's almost like if conformity has this gravitational pull. In the beginning, we're excited, we're curious, and after a while, we get used to the new reality. Mm. And that's a given. So, and if we're if we're always pulled as an individual, but also as organizations uh, and as teams towards this conformity, and we stop being aware of it, we we risk that we're going to be outpaced by by other people, yeah, or that yeah. our relationships become less less powerful. And if we don't understand ourselves in the process really well, who we are at our at our deepest uh, deepest core, uh, then we're going to miss the insights that help us stay uh, stay afloat in in dynamic times. Yeah, that word intentional, uh, you've mentioned it several times in, in the podcast. It, it, it's such an important word, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's in your definition as well of, of curiosity, the intentional mindset. And it's clear that, that as individuals, we need to have that intentional mindset. And maybe there's a responsibility for for leaders in business to to do that as well going back to one of the things we mentioned earlier the organization that is curious will be more successful a good reminder for our audience why curiosity is relevant today however on on culture um, it's a slightly different thing, possibly. I talk a lot about cultural awareness in my work, Stefan, and here I am, an, an Englishman, you know, sitting in the Netherlands, talking to a Belgian today. Business is, is so global. I wonder how it works in different cultures, because a manager might have an ego, okay? I mean, I don't know, but they might not feel that they can allow themselves to show that they don't know something. And curiosity, to me, it seems it demands a certain humility in us, you know, acknowledging mm. sometimes that you, you just don't know and you're curious to find out. That's fine. That's fine in the sort of coaching style leadership we see here in the Netherlands, for example, possibly Belgium as well. But what about the Japanese directive manager who, who has to know everything 
you know, that culture might well say, listen, conform rather than be curious. Is curiosity really a universal thing or are we going to see it differently around the world? It is global. I think we're first and foremost humans. Yeah. All going back to uh, little Lucy in um, uh, way back in the African uh, African desert. Yeah. And as human beings, I lived in many countries. I lived in China for 13 years. I lived in Finland. I lived in India. I lived hmm. in Saudi Arabia. And deep down, we all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to be seen seen yep. as, the, as 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 loyal members of our tribes. Yeah. So there's more similarities, I think, than dissimilarities across cultures. That yep. doesn't mean that there's differences. Of course, there's more collective thinking in the East versus uh, versus in the West, mm. for instance. Yeah. But I think what is probably more important is to separate free between different dynamics. For instance, let's separate between startup organizations, where regardless where they are, and grown-up organizations. Startup organizations, including in Japan, are about four times more ready to learn from mistakes and more ready to learn to be exploration-minded yeah, yeah. or curious um, about customers, about how to do things, about changing things, etc than grown-up or scale-up organizations. Yeah, it's almost, um, it's almost it, that your, the analogy is that, that the couple that divorce after so many years, they're at that, that exploring, exciting stage where they're getting to know how things work. The Japanese organization that is a startup, because it's almost like the beginning of the relationship. But what, about that, what about that organization that's been going for 30 years? Or three hundred years, and there, there's if curiosity is not intentional, yeah. and if it's not staying on the map and on the radar, then there's a risk that the curiosity is thrown away yeah, in yeah. favor of this conformity, in favor of this efficiency, yeah. and that always is a dangerous thing. It's not dangerous in stable times. It is dangerous regardless where you are in dynamic times. Two yeah. weeks ago, I was in Kuwait, um, and people are starting to look at electric cars. In a country like Kuwait, where the gasoline <laughs> yeah. is way cheaper yeah. than uh, than anywhere else in the world, but still, people are uh, forward-looking. People are looking at the, this next generation of 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 technology. So, it is more about the individual desire of the manager yeah. and of the organization. There's many organizations that have curiosity as their as their corporate values. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and for me, that's the highest level of saying, guys and girls, curiosity is good. Yeah, yeah. The challenge there is often that companies don't define curiosity, because as we spoke about, sometimes curiosity is positive and negative connotation depending yeah. on which country you are. Um, that's why it's important to uh, uh, to identify. Or you see companies that have curiosity embedded in their processes and practices. Yeah, yeah. Ninety percent of the, if you're looking at online job ads, there's a growth of the use of the word curiosity uh, a 90% growth wow really job over over the last 12 months so companies are really waking up to the notion that curiosity is good in in recruiting people and interestingly uh, curiosity is appealing to all demographics yeah. If you're looking at sustainability, that appeals more to the younger demographic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Less so to the elder. But curiosity appeals to everyone. Um, so um, companies that are starting to embrace curiosity in their processes and practices in their culture are bound to recruit better yeah. people because we yeah. all want to work for curious companies. Sure. Sure. Um, and um, and we all want to. Um, um, so. 
you will find very curious companies in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and also not so curious one. And you'll find very curious companies in the UK and also many not so curious ones. It all depends. Um, and it doesn't mean that if you're 30 years old that you're not curious anymore. No. I've seen companies that are 350 years old that have been staying extremely curious because, yeah. they, again, they were intentional about it. They were intentional. That. That's that word, intentional, and that's such a key word, clearly. And also that some companies haven't been able to define curiosity. You've done all of us a, a huge favour because you have defined curiosity and you define it in your, in your, in your book. I'm also conscious that, you know, you mentioned the human need of all wanting to be loved at the end of the day. There is another human need that's deep in us about wanting to grow and develop. And I think it's clear talking to you that curiosity will help us grow and develop. It's linked to our satisfaction. It's linked to our happiness as well. If we can see and tell ourselves that we are growing and developing and curiosity is clearly something that can help us do that. Stephen, I'm, I'm, I'm curious of the time and I want to start bringing things to a, a close and in doing that, ask what we ask all our guests, which is kind of our, our last question. And that is the gift, the, the gift question. And apart from all the wonderful information, the food for thought that you've, you've given us today, we like to end the podcast with a gift to our listeners, which means that it doesn't have to end when they turn off their listening device. They can go away and, and discover and be curious about something else. It could be a quote, a magical question that you give them. A, a, I mean, the obvious thing is to tell everybody to go and buy your amazing book. But I'm going to ask you, Stefan, what's your gift for our listeners today? Thanks for asking. And I'm a little bit prepared for that. I have two gifts. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, one gift could be go to my website, globalcuriosityinstitute.com, yep. and you can you can do an assessment. It's free. Okay. You can do an assessment online how curious about curiosity. Um, and there I give give back your your score around curiosity about the world, curiosity about others, and curiosity about yourself. So give yourself the gift to kind of analyze and measure your own curiosity um, level in this moment. And then another gift I would say is a question you can ask the people around you. And the question is for me, how am I doing as your dot, dot, dot? Okay. How, how am I doing as your son? If I can, I can ask that to my 80 year old mother, yeah. how am I doing as your boss? How am I doing as your colleague? How am I doing as your customer? So you could fill in whatever thing that you want, but you said earlier yourself, Jim, that vulnerability is an important trait and humility is an humility, important trait yeah, yeah, yeah. curiosity. And this is a beautiful question, I think, to give yourself that gift of humility for a couple of seconds while asking that question, because you don't know what what is going to come back. And it's such an empathy booster in actually inviting the other person in giving you feedback. And the person can be anybody. Uh, how am I doing as your father or as yeah. your mother, you know, or as your, uh, as your spouse? Um, is, 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 is really putting you in a vulnerable spot, mm. but the upside is so beautiful. You can learn so much yeah. and your relationship become better with that person just because of asking that question. In my research, I found that we asked two, two very, very, not enough this question. Yeah. If you're looking at first line managers, only 20% of the managers ever ask their employees, how am I doing as your manager? Yeah, yeah. So let's start asking that question. Marvelous, um, 
Marvellous. What a wonderful question. So t- two great gifts um, uh, for all of you listening today. Let's just remind you of that. If you go to www.globalcuriosityinstitute.com, you can find a curiosity diagnostic there. Uh, get the report, take the report. It's free. So thank you very much for that uh, suggestion, uh, Stefan. And also the wonderful question you can uh, ask immediately after you turn off your learning, uh, your listening device. Um, how am I doing as your dot, dot, dot. Stefan, how am I doing as your podcast host at the moment? You're super. <laughs> You're great. Good. That's that's great to hear. We we have to wrap up. And um, thank you so much, Stefan, for your time. I know you're a busy man, and uh, you've taken time out of uh, of your schedule to talk to us today. I remind everybody of Stefan's book, The Workplace Curiosity Manifesto. I think the message is clear, everybody. Um, curiosity is good for you, uh, and good for your organisation. Be as Stefan reminded us, intentionally curious. Keep asking why and and what if throughout life uh, and go and ask somebody, how am I doing as your dot, dot, dot? Because the world belongs to the curious, right? I think we've established that today. So Stefan, thank you so much for your time uh, and for being with us on this podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Company Podcast. If you're interested in finding out more, please email us at info at relevancelearning.com. Join us next time when we will explore more topics to help you stay relevant now and in the future.